Okay, Max. So we had, by the way, good to meet you. Where do you live? North Carolina. Um, Boone, North Carolina. In Boone? Yes, yes, yes. We had talked about that once. Yeah. Ah, so. In the discussion of Anapanasati, many, many people get lost in the technique. Okay. An example of that is both tennis and golf. That many, many people get really, really deeply involved in getting um, the exact postures, the exact techniques down for swinging the racket or swinging the golf club. Where the entire point was for them to go out on the golf course to enjoy and relax. And now here they are struggling with the technique of swinging a golf club. Why? Because they want more out of golf, more than just having a, a joyful day. They, they want um, something else. And so it's all because of our desire that we want to develop techniques in order to get what we want. But the real point about it is, is that you can go and play golf without any technique and really enjoy the game. So long as you're not keeping score, you can enjoy the game. So in a way, being in the present moment is no longer keeping score, but what score really is, is it's an issue of the past. You're bringing the past in and counting things up from the past and adding one more to it not even recognizing that tomorrow, the point that you added today is now just old news. It's in the past. Okay. And so this, this is what scorekeeping is, is that it actually makes us unhappy and uncomfortable because it drives us to continue making new scores in order to feel good again. But that's not relaxation. That's keeping score. And something tells me that keeping score is not as relaxing. It's just simply relaxing with nothing to do. <laughs> so the whole teaching of the Buddha can be summed up. In fact, he said this in a number of different suttas that one time recently we found four, I think, references to this, where the Buddha says is that both formally and now, I teach only one thing. Just one thing. That's all the Buddha teaches. Not complicated. We don't need libraries and libraries full of Dhamma books. He only teaches one thing, and that is Dukkha, Dukkha Naroda. Okay. Dukkha, Dukkha Naroda is the Pali that if you unpack that statement, it winds up being the Four Noble Truths. But the Dukkha, Dukkha Naroda means to see the Dukkha, to see the unrelaxed in the present moment. Whatever it is, it's not relaxed, or whatever it is, it's dirty. And all we have to do is just to relax it. Or just throw it out. 
That's the way that we operate is, is that whatever is keeping us from being relaxed in the present moment, we can throw that out and then we're relaxed. Imagine the idea of that uh, you sit down on uh, a, a standard regular kind of chair, not much padding in it, plastic chair or something like that. And there happens to be a car, a baby, uh, uh, a toy car about this big, or maybe a marble or something, and you sit down on that marble, right? You can probably sit on that marble for a while, but it does become uncomfortable. And the better thing to do is to get up and take the marble out from under you, and then you can sit back down. And that's actually a very easy thing to do. It's actually easier to remove the marble than it is to continue putting up with sitting on it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. So the act of, of um, getting up and removing the marble and sitting back down is, in fact, one's right effort that's part of the Eightfold Noble Path. But we can see that then there is dukkha and then dukkha naroda. We took out the dukkha and to now we're okay. That's all there is to it. And when you unpack that, what that means then is that the third noble truth is being satisfied with the present moment. That, oh, I'm relaxed and I'm satisfied and everything is okay. Nothing magical, nothing mystical, nothing top drawer, nothing uh, supernatural. Just I could sit and relax and develop that as a skill. Because as you know, when you develop something as a skill, you get really better at it. And very few people are skilled at relaxing. So you don't really know what I'm talking about until you, wow, how relaxed can we get? But the point is, is that we have to practice relaxation. So let us look at the second noble truth for a moment. And the second noble truth, which is normally understood to be greed, ill will, and delusion, Roha, Moha, Dosa, or the Pali, uh, and that the, uh, the cause of suffering is something quite remarkable in the sense that it goes directly against the grain of all that society has taught you. But when you see the wisdom of this truth, then you're recognizing, wow, have I been lied to? Okay. And basically what this means is, is that the greed that, that causes uh, dukkha, the ill will that causes dukkha, and the delusion around that, including the delusion that it is greed that causes uh, dissatisfaction. We get wrapped up in the thing that all the problem that I have, the dukkha that I have, comes from the outside. In other words, I get dissatisfied when he hits me, slaps me in the face, calls me a bully, calls me a dirty name, whatever like that. And I say I'm dissatisfied because of what he did rather than recognizing, no, that I feel this dissatisfaction because I did not like what he did. That's the greed or the ill will. I don't like it. 
But if I can recognize that, oh, I don't like it. And I know that I don't like it because of this, that, and the other thing and recognizing, hey, I'm in charge of my not liking. I don't have to not like it. But that's a choice that I'm making. But I made that choice so often over my whole lifetime that it's a very easy choice to make. Like it's very easy to sit down on that marble that this guy said. He called that marble a bully, set it on my chair, and I could sit down on it. Instead of just picking that marble up and throwing it off. That's not me. Okay. And then there is no problem. So we get started doing that as children. As a child, we are born and raised as a victim. A tender infant can't take care of itself at all. But you as an adult can. But you still expect other people to take care of you now the way that they took care of you when you were a kid. So if you get sick, you go to a doctor. If you have legal difficulties, you go to a lawyer. If you go, uh, if you need some money issues, you go to an accountant. Okay. Uh, if if you uh, are unhappy and depressed, you go to a psychiatrist or the bar or something like that. But we're always going out to get a solution to the problem that actually is within the mind. That in fact, the whole fashion industry is built upon that. Cosmetic industry, the fashion industry, everything about that is built upon the fact that people are not satisfied with the way they are. They want to dress themselves up, make themselves look better because they don't like who they are. Wow, that's actually the source of of dukkha is our own internal dissatisfaction and the delusion is we can get something on the outside to help fix it. Oh, okay. Okay. And so this is the reason then that we have the Eightfold Noble Path is there is a method to come out of our dissatisfactions and our wantings and our scorekeeping. Because we keep score on ourselves. And our score is never high enough. We always want to keep adding more and more and more because it ain't good enough yet. Well, when is it ever going to be good enough so that you can just relax? I've done all I needed to do. The job is done. I can sit down and just enjoy the moment. The day is over. So this is the actual teaching of the Eightfold Noble Path is that we can bring ourselves to that state of relaxation. We can bring ourselves to a state of joy. We can bring ourselves to a state of well-being. And we can do that with practicing something that's different than what we normally practice. And normally what we practice is all the bad habits that we've had all along of, oh, please help me. I need help. Why do I need help? Because I want something that I can't get. And I'm unhappy and dissatisfied because I can't get what I want. Oh, please help me. Okay. That's the routine that we normally play inside. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're shaking your head like you've been there, done that. (laughs) Yeah. Every day. (laughs) Okay. Well, now the practice of the Eightfold Noble Path 
actually has several points to it. And one is that we begin to notice or understand through investigation that that whole way of doing things keeps me dissatisfied when in fact I could drop all of that stuff and be satisfied in this present moment. Okay, that's one's right view is, is that we can make a change. We can make a choice. Now, a lot of people have the understanding that one's right noble view is like a viewpoint or a worldview or a way of seeing things from a perspective or a position. Okay, sort of like a security camera is up there on the wall someplace and it can pan back and forth around. And so people think that noble right view is like sitting up in the corner or something like that. But really what the word means is badly translated. It actually means not a view as a, as a noun, but viewing as an action, as a verb. Okay. Okay, that viewing, we have to look, investigate, investigating. It's noticing, noting, watching, looking, interrogating. That's what we mean by right view, is right viewing, not a viewpoint. And I used to wonder, well, what is one's right view? And the answer is no, there is no right viewpoint. It means that we are doing uh, the the, the aspect of investigation is the factor of wisdom, a factor of knowledge that is based upon repeated looking over and over and over again. So what does over and over and over again mean? That's where sati comes in. This is why we call it anapana sati. We also have the Satipatthana, and we also have the seven factors of enlightenment, the Sambhojana, which has Sati as the first item on the list, as well as Sati is an, a factor on the Eightfold Noble Path. So you'd think that the Buddha was on to Sati somehow. <laughs> and that's exactly right, because if you can't remember to perform the skills, then it doesn't matter what skill you have. If you forget to perform it at the right time that you need it, then that skill is of no value to you. And so sati is the number one item to remember, to remember, to remember, to remember. Well, what is it that we're going to remember? We're going to remember to wake up and be in the present moment. That's what we're going to remember. Is to, and that when we wake up to remember and be in the present moment, that means that now we're woke up enough to do an investigation. Mm -hmm. And we can investigate to see, well, what's the state of mind right now? How am I doing right now? How are things going right now? Am I disturbed and worried because I can't get something that I want? Am I planning for the future? Or am I just sitting here and just enjoying nature? Open nature, open sky. Everything is sabai, sabai. So uh, what, what are we doing in the mind? And if the mind is actually doing something that's unwholesome, then we need to remove that and put something in the mind that's wholesome. That's the really important thing. This is one's right effort, is to get up off of that marble. Okay.
That's right, Effort. Get up off of that marble, remove the marble, and sit back down comfortably and happily. So we're going to see then that that marble that we're talking about is actually any unwholesome thought or any unwholesome thought process. Okay. And we're going to remove that unwholesome thought and put a wholesome thought in the mind. This is where in the Anapanasati Sutta is referring to uh, step 10 of gladdening the mind, of brightening the mind, of shining the mind, which means to remove, remove unwholesome thoughts about meditation, for instance. Am I doing it right? What's the point of all of this? Oh, I'm getting tired of this meditation. I mean, those are the kind of thoughts that meditators have. And when they have those kind of thoughts, they can say, never mind, I don't have to think about that. I could just sit here and enjoy myself. I don't have any place to go. Wow, isn't it nice that I just sit? There's no place to go and nothing to do. And here I am sitting here wanting something from meditation. And I don't have it. So we bring our dissatisfaction into the practice of Anapanasati, and then we start reading this book and that book and the next book, piling on one technique after another after another, and never get skilled in any of them, where the real skill that we have to do is the skill of waking up, investigating what's in the mind, and then taking the right effort to remove that and getting ourselves comfortable in the present moment. That's all there is to it. And these are skills that need to be developed. And when right effort is developed as a school skill, things become really easy. But in the beginning, there is going to be some effort involved. Okay. Okay. And so uh, it, it actually, uh, an example of that is, is that in the beginning, we have to actually stand up to remove the marble. Mm -hmm. As we get skilled at it, we can recognize the marble sitting in the chair before we even sit down on it. Is that um, is that called effortless effortlessness? Right, but that's an advanced point. Let's mm -hmm. do first things first. And first things first is you're going to you're already sitting on the marble. Now it's time to actually get up. Get off of it. But you can. The mind is actually easy enough to change. Mm -hmm. That in fact is jumping around anyway. The reality is, is that one moment is a marble, the next moment is a toy car, the next moment is an arrow with a dart in it, the next, you know, it's just all kinds of things that are there. Um, hang on, I want to... Uh, Send a message. <clears throat> All right, Max, back with you now. So, as we continue on, this practice with these three things of right effort, with right uh, sati, and right view, or right looking, we begin to get success. We actually do begin to feel relaxed. 
that in fact in the gladdening of the mind, which is part of the right effort, is to actually intentionally gladden the mind, to brighten it up, and to change the uh, content of the mind from whatever was keeping us down. That is a skill that we can get immediate benefit from. And we begin to see that. Which also means that we're beginning to build some confidence. So that we can get it going. And when we start building that confidence, we're beginning to change our attitude. And so the fourth item on the list, Sama Sankapa, is to actually change the way we see things, to change our attitude. Be able to say, no matter what happens in the mind, no matter how obstructed it gets, no matter how dirty it gets, no matter how many marbles are sitting on that chair right now, I can clean them out. I can throw all of those marbles off the chair and sit down and relax. But that's an attitude that grows over time because there'll be a lot of times when you say, oh no, that marble's too ugly. I, I have to sit on it. <laughs> I, I can't move it. So there'll be times like that, but you'll recognize, oh no, I too can get rid of that. And so this is the actual practice that we're developing is the practice of Anapanasati using actually the way to correctly say it is we're using Anapanasati to fulfill the, uh, the Eightfold Noble Path. But in by fulfilling it, it turns it in or transforms it from a set of skills to be developed into a set of skills that are fully developed. And now they are fully developed as factors of enlightenment, the Sambhojana. So that we have unremitting mindfulness. We keep looking and we keep looking and we keep looking. We have unremitting investigation. We keep remembering and we keep looking. We keep remembering and we look. And then uh, the effort becomes unremitting, but it's not effort now, it's energetic. It's easy to do because we're in the habit of doing it. We've got the skills going. And that gives us also that great relaxation, that great delight, great joy, and uh, peace or rest. So relaxed has two qualities to it. It has both the enjoyment quality and also the at rest, at peace quality. And so this is also what you could say is the equanimity and also the right organization of mind is a relaxed mind. And so this is the actual practice that we're looking for, but we can't get that relaxation while we're sitting on stuff that's uncomfortable. So the practice of Anapanasati really is the skill of developing sati. That's the main thing that we're going to use. Okay. okay. But also step nine, is to do that investigation, to notice the states of mind, to know what thoughts are there, to know what's wholesome and unwholesome. And then step 10 of Anapanasati is to gladden the mind, to change the mind, which is actually to remove the marble and set yourself a nice seat to sit on 
And then when you sit on it, the feelings are the feelings of safety, security, comfort, and satisfaction. And when you know that you can clean those marbles out and sit sound and relax anytime that you want to, now we have that confidence of, hey, I can handle marbles. Got no problem with marbles. I can clear them out of the way easy. And that's the right attitude that's developed, okay? So that then is the sukha and the pity. The sukha is safety, security, comfort, and satisfaction. And then that feeling of success, that feeling of, wow, I've got this wired, the feeling of can do, the feeling of, and in fact, the Buddha was referred to as a lion. When you have the lion's attitude, that's the pity, the championship. An example is on the football game uh, at the uh, the big game where uh, uh, all the fans are there and the guy makes a touchdown. What does he do immediately after he does the touchdown? Immediately after. Let's just say within the first five, ten seconds after he actually makes the touchdown, what does he do? He uh, starts cheer, like getting excited, putting his hands up. All right, he does this. He dances around. He's jumping for joy, literally. He's on fire. He just won, right? Mm -hmm. This is the kind of feeling that we are all seeking our whole lives, that feeling of uplifting. Wow, we've got this. And yet you very rarely give yourself that experience. And even the football star that does it, he does it only when he makes a touchdown in front of 10,000 people. He can't just sit down and just feel that way. He's got to go do something in order to feel that way. But the important point is, is that he chose to feel that way. He could have, in fact, made that touchdown after so many of them say, boring. I'm so good at making touchdowns. What's the point of making another one? No, he doesn't have that. No, he's very happy and excited because he makes himself feel. In fact, he's still keeping score. And we get our good feelings from keeping score. But you are actually the one who created those good feelings. So why don't you keep score in a way that makes you completely successful so that then you feel that way? And what is the way that we're going to keep score? Never mind. Start again. Back to zero again. That's the way we keep scores. Wow, I, I won that one. <laughs> <laughs> and so in this present moment, we feel really, really good. That's the whole question of the practice of Anapanasati. And this is the, uh, the component with these feelings that bring together the qualities that are referred to as jhana. And when I say bringing together these qualities, I'm actually referring to the word samati, that the word samati means to bring together the factors. And the number one factor that we need is to be free from the hindrances, to be free from those marbles on the chair, to be free from all unwholesome thoughts. That's the number one item on the list. Because mm -hmm. then, we can, in fact, 
with that uh, clean mind, develop that sukha, that feeling of, uh, of safety and security and comfort and satisfaction that we would get sitting on that chair if it's got no marbles in it. And then you recognize that you can sit down like that anytime you want to. And that's where the, the last element is, is that, that pity that I've got this wired. I can sit down without having to sit down on the marble every time I sit down. Mm -hmm. That's the way of looking at this practice. Okay, so uh, let's now go and talk about the breath itself and where the breath plays an important part in this, because this is actually anapanasati, which means that um, if there is no other value in working with breath at all, it is that using the breath as an anchor to develop sati. Because sati is the number one skill that we need to develop. Because right view, right viewing, right effort, and right attitude will follow along when the sati is strong. Okay. And so what we want to do is we want to develop a strong sense of sati with the breath. Now, the way that many meditation places teach, uh, I don't think that you'll find this too much one way or the other within Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa's, but I think that he will, in fact, talk about the fact that we do have to control the breath, that it's a long breath. And that we need to remember that every breath, that this breath is going to be a long in-breath. And then we remember that this breath is going to be a long out-breath. We do not need to train in breathing. We already know long and shallow and deep and short. And all the various kinds of breath there is. So there's no uh, problem in a training of the breath. What really is the training is, is to remember to take control of the breathing. If we don't control it, if we're just going to say, oh, I'm just going to be mindfully watching the breath in what we would call um, a normal way, then the mind has no skin in the game and the mind is easily capable of, of walking away back into the rubbish. Mm -hmm. But if we are intentionally making this a long, deep in-breath, then we're actually developing the skill of sati, as well as developing the skill of paying attention to the breathing while we're gladdening the mind. So we can say things like, wow, this is such a good in-breath, and this out-breath is so relaxing. And so we really just talk ourselves into relaxing by gladdening the mind and saying things about no place to go and nothing to do and everything is all right, got no places to go, everything is comfortable. And wow, that feels good. That feels really good to have nothing on my plate, to have no marbles in the chair, okay? These are the kind of thoughts that you're going to have while you're breathing in long and mindfully breathing out long because each in-breath and each out-breath is in a point of sati. Mm -hmm. And that's what we want to train. We want to train in remembering to stay in the present moment. 
Now, for some, that will get boring, and when it does, then their mind will wander away into some restlessness rather than saying, hey, my, my point is, is that can I stay developing sati? Can I keep remembering and keep remembering and keep remembering and keep remembering? That's the training. And that there is a technique that we can use with that, and that is that uh, we begin to make the breath important in the sense that it actually is life-giving. That there is a difference between natural breath and normal breath. That the normal breathing that we do is sedentary, got not, not much to it. And so the, uh, the, the back part of the brain, the reptilian brain that controls that breath, has been doing that in a very, very conservative way your whole life. The minimum amount of air, the minimum amount of work that we have to do, the better. But that part of the brain has been doing that for your whole life. That's an important point, that it's been busy keeping you alive so that you don't have to think about the breath at all. But when you do think about the breath, now you can take it from that normal breathing, that conservative breathing, into more natural breathing that is energizing and energetic. That you can actually breathe your way into feeling tingly alive, alert, vibrantly alive, by taking long, deep, easygoing, relaxed in-breaths. And then with the out-breath, we let it out, easygoing, relaxed. I use the word sigh. Now, some people use the word sigh in the sense of exasperation, like, oh. But I'm talking about it, no, that it's much more like the Kung Fu Panda style of sigh. Uh, That's that's the out-breath, is to really allow yourself to enjoy that out-breath. So the in-breath and the out-breath then gets us wired to begin to look at the body so that we begin to notice what the body is doing because whatever the body is doing, it's doing it right here in the here now. And so much of the focus of the teaching of the Buddha has to do with coming out of the past and the future, which is dissatisfying, into the present moment, which is absolutely satisfying if you have the right frame of reference for it. That the now is marvelous, that we each one of us live in a paradise. And here we are going around judging that paradise, tearing it down, thinking that we can keep, we can win some points and score some points by messing with paradise. When paradise is already okay, it's good enough as it is. And all we have to do is to sit down and relax and enjoy that paradise. So, this whole quality of anapanasati is, is to get in touch with the here now, to get in touch with the body, to get in touch with our senses, and to start enjoying the paradise that's coming in from the senses, rather than bringing in information from the uh, outside and processing it, trying to make it into something that helps us to keep score. That we just allow what is to be there as it is. Okay. Okay. 
And we do that with one wholesome thought after another wholesome thought after another wholesome thought. Which also can be uh, used in the sense of that we normally spend our time in critical mind. But what is the critical mind? That's the mind that keeps score. That's the mind that sets up a set of uh, boundaries and rules for a game and then requires you to play the game. We can call that game society in a way. Because you were raised in that uh, rule-based game system. That in fact, it starts off sometime before we go to school, but for sure by the time we go to school, every child is told to sit down, stop playing with your toys, stop enjoying your life, and learn your ABCs. Learn your one, two, threes. Go clean up your room. Put down your cell phone and do your homework. You know the whole routine. You've heard all of that stuff before. Well, guess what? Not only did you hear it, but you memorized it and you put it into play as your game plan. And now you're all keeping score, seeing, am I keeping score? Am I up to scratch, daddy? And what is the daddy is whatever authority figures that we see above us. But the reality is when you relax, you've got no authorities. There's nobody above you. You're a grown man now. You're the lion in this castle. You're the king here. That in fact, one of the expressions is everybody is a emperor. Everyone is an emperor of their own pile of dirt. The question is, are you going to be buried under your pile of dirt? Are you going to be struggling to get to the top of your pile of dirt? Or are you just going to sit on top of your work? And by the way, that emperor of your own pile of dirt, that pile of dirt is what? It's your past. Are you going to wallow in your past? Are you going to struggle with your past? Or are you going to sit on top of your world to get above it? And we have that opportunity every time we remember to have that opportunity. Is to look, where am I? Am I, in, am I buried under my pile of dirt or I'm sitting on top of my world? And you can change it that quick. You have to remember to, and that's the change of attitude. So, it's actually quite an easy practice. The Buddhist teaching is not difficult. That's basically the whole thing. There's some more details for sure that can help us understand it, but this is basically it. It's an easy, peasy practice. But it goes against the grain that has been developed over all of the years. It goes against all the old habits, so that means that we have to practice it over and over and over and over and over again. Almost as if our life depended upon it, because your well-being is your life. How good do you feel is your 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 aliveness? That it could be said that in fact that everyone has a death sentence. In two minutes, you're going to die, but you can have a reprieve. All you have to do is take the next breath. And you can postpone that two-minute sentence. <laughs> have you ever heard of the expression, practice like your hair is on fire? No. 
Never heard of it. That that that's an old old one from uh, I don't remember where the the reference is. I think it may be in a, in a uh, the an Asuta in the Angatara. But there is an old sutta that talks about practice like your hair is on fire. Now, what we can literally say is, is that practice like your life depends upon it. Practice like your breathing depends upon it. Okay. Imagine that you could, in fact, give the... um, the part of the brain that actually controls the breath. It's been a good friend. It's been keeping you alive all of these years by breathing for you. And it'll do that again from time to time. But right now we want to give it a rest. We're going to say, Mr. Brain Breathing Mechanism in the uh, in the back, I think it's in the uh, medulla area of the brain uh, back in here. And <clears throat> we're going to just give you a rest and you can take it easy. For this next hour or two. And in the next hour or two, we're going to do the breathing consciously. In the sense that if you don't breathe consciously, then you won't breathe at all. If you don't breathe consciously, you won't breathe at all, which means you'll die. So your life depends upon it. In this way, think of it as your breath is like practicing with your hair on fire. That in fact, that two minute period of time is probably a bit long, that if you forget to take this next breath, that means that your mind has wandered away back into your trash bin or your, your, the emperor is now back in his dirt pit. But so long as we can stay on top of the world, that means that we can breathe consciously and we remember that this is a long, deep, easy, comfortable, happy, easygoing breath. And the next breath is an out breath, a long, easygoing, happy, no place to go, nothing to do, relaxed out breath. And so this is the way that we practice and gain those skills, the skill of sati, the number one skill. Practice like your life depends upon, can you remember to take your next breath? So, uh, Let's put some, just, some juice in the game. This is a, a game to play with yourself. This is probably the most wholesome game that I know of that you can play with yourself, is to play with yourself. Oh, I should remember this next breath. So that uh, just throughout the day, all of a sudden, You'll just remember, but the remembrance and the deep breath come almost together in the same mind moment. It's almost like that the, the, the mindfulness comes in mindfulness that this is a deep in-breath. So the deep in-breath starts and then the mindfulness comes along rather than the other. That's why it's really easy. That's your right effort. In the old days, it took a lot of effort to remember to breathe deep. Now it's so energetic that you just do it. Uh, automatically because you remember to take those long deep in-breaths because they are so life-giving so this is the way that we're going to uh, change the attitude is is that I'm on top of this and I'm going to keep this thing going I'm going to bring to my life real life life abundantly as you could hear some people say rather than a life of sitting on a bunch of marbles one after another. 
So this is the practice. And we don't have to worry about details like where to put the awareness. The question is, is can you keep your awareness going? Can you pay attention? Can mm -hmm. you remember to pay attention? That in fact, that paying attention, you could say that the attention is the, um, the investigation and the paying is the one's right effort. Because okay. your the paying attention has to do with the quality of making a change of actually pay attention to those marbles so that you don't have to sit on. We don't have to entertain unwholesome thoughts of the past. We don't have to keep score. We don't have to uh, to do something in order to feel good. We could just sit here and feel good, feel like a champion. So this is a much more complete part of Anapanasati without getting too bogged up into the finer details of what, let us say, overly skilled meditators could be doing. So with um, gladdening the mind. You broke up, can you say that again? Uh, with gladdening the mind, you do that on each, you're inhaling long breaths, and when you yes. exhale them? Yes, and you do it whenever you remember to do it, just like you take a long, deep breath whenever you remember to take a long, deep breath. Okay. Yeah, you don't have to try to make it perfect. You do it when you can remember to do it, and you have the intention now to do it. You have the intention to remember, to pay attention to the breathing, that that's where you're going to develop sati, to remember to gladden your mind. That's when you're going to develop uh, right effort and right uh, view, and together those things will bring upon the skill of right samasankapa, right attitude. Okay. Okay. This is not hard to do. <laughs> now, much of what I've said you will find in the book, but there's a whole lot of other stuff in the book. Don't get too bogged down in the details, but rather get into the position that you are the emperor of your own pile of dirt. Come out of that dirt and, sit, and use it as your mountain peak to sit on. It's your perk. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right, Max. Well, let's finish off now. Do you have any questions before we go? Uh. So you said don't don't get too um, don't get too into like trying to make it perfect. Like don't like this. I think you said don't. Perfect, just like hmm. relax with it, right? Just enjoy yourself, that's the whole point. And as long as you're trying to make your relaxation perfect, it's not real relaxation. Real relaxation is you don't give a flip whether it's right or not, <laughs> you're just relaxed. <laughs> so, with um, with gladdening the mind, do you need to do that like 24 7 or 
when you remember, we're developing sati here now. Don't go make some stupid rule. <laughs> Westerners are really, really balled up in the word always. No, just do it when you can remember it, but develop to remember it as a skill and use the breath to build it up. Always be easygoing, be forgiving for yourself, nurture yourself. Don't set any standards that you can fail at. Everything you do is okay. Gotcha. Okay. That the Buddha used awesome. the term, aha, I see you, Myra. Which is a way of gladdening the mind right there, as opposed to, oh, no, here it comes again. <laughs> and recently I've been giving students a song that has to do with this. It's, it's actually Simon and Garfunkel. And the song is the, the, the sound of silence. But the first lines of the song is, hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Okay. So whatever dirt that you find in your mind, whatever darkness that shows up, don't treat it critically. Treat that darkness as an old friend because it's always been an old friend for you. Why are you now making it an enemy? Right? Yes. Okay. So. When you see those unwholesome thoughts, say, aha, I got you. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I see you again. <laughs> <laughs> that we're going to get in, our, in, in the mindset that we're capable of um, seeing our mistakes clearly so that we can learn from them as opposed to avoiding our mistakes. Because uh, if I can hide that mistake, it don't count on the score. Right? We're not keeping score. And because we're not keeping score, it's okay to look at the dirt. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Can What can I learn from you again? <laughs> and so you can treat that even relaxed. Aha, never mind. I can grow up. I can be happy. I don't have to worry about how dirty the dirt is. Back okay. to nurturing. Nurture yourself. Rather than being critical. Stop having all of these rules. But that's what happens with Westerners every time. They're so rule bound mm -hmm. that when they learn about Anapanasati, they make it into another rule, <laughs> a bunch of rules. That's what you were doing. You would start making it into a bunch of rules rather than a method of relaxation. Okay. You got that, huh? Actually. <laughs> okay, we'll go practice that and we'll see you later. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for Actually. the talk. Awesome. See you later, Mac. Enjoy your day. Enjoy Boone. Thanks. Thanks. You too.